Ultra. Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end of the world's end one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Amenas. And joining us this week and today, especially, uh, Johnny and Mark from Two Old Media. Welcome. Hey, hey. how's it going? Yeah, welcome back. Um, were you guys on Hot Fuzz or just Mark? Or I know you were yeah. on Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, we were both on Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing I'm trying to remember because I was thinking about it today going, when did I record Hot Fuzz and where was I? Because <laughs> yeah. I remember Shaun of the Dead. We like, were at your parents' house. I remember Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And I remember Spaced. Yeah. And then I, and then with Hot Fuzz, I'm like, when did that happen? It's all right. Yeah. Time is an illusion anyway. <laughs> I'll have to figure that out. I'm gonna, I'll do some research between minutes. But yeah. uh, today we are preparing to annihilate minute 61 of the world's end, which begins with Mad Basil explaining that uh, the blanks did everything they could to make us join them and ends with Basil explaining how the blanks get our DNA. It's kind of our first info dump of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even think we get another one after this until like the big Bill Nye light in the sky. Yeah. End of the Star Trek episode. <laughs> yeah. You big lamp. Um <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, this is this is the first little exposition, uh, little exposition dump. Um, God, it shot like it shot so well though. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like I wish all exposition looked this nice. Sure. <laughs> um, just from like a lighting and and uh, I don't know uh, visual standpoint. Um, the uh, uh, I'm not. I am. I am. I am supremely creeped out by the uh, the the choreography of the <laughs> the marmalade sandwich. Um, just, I mean, I'm creeped out about this whole situation, but there's something about them, like having their little choreography thing that just like, it, it takes it to another level for me. That just gives me the heebie jeebies. Why does that freak you out more than the fact that they're all wearing white button ups and, and ties? Well, the white well, button, the white buttons up is to, uh, button ups and ties is because this is supposed to be like a, um, themed night where they have yeah, the it's dress a themed. Like yeah. It's like a, it's like a school, school dance themed night at this pub. Which uh, we which, which we learned from our uh, our previous guests last week uh, is actually kind of normal in the UK. Like this yeah, is kind of, it's like how we always have like frat night. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. That's, that's I think fair. I found out that uh, other countries have USA parties. Oh, that was God. one of the weirdest things. Oh, I ever... Australia does a lot. Actually. Yeah, yeah. That, that to me is like why, <laughs> but they do it. <laughs> it's so they can be absolutely belligerent. Mm, We're yeah. the biggest assholes in the world. Time for a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Oh man, um, I do. I really like how um, how uh, uh, Martin Freeman is just like <laughs> watching it. them. It. It's so wholesome. He's so he's so proud of himself. <laughs> he is. He's like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> it's done. He's just admiring uh, his work. Yeah. Um, 
He's I like a wallflower, but he's like in the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> yeah. What are it you doing? Like a, he looks like a 50s billboard for beer. <laughs> uh, I also think it's a weird choice that everyone, like all the all the uh, the other female patrons in their their school uniform outfits, they all have knee high socks. But for some reason, the marmalade sandwiches socks are like they've like fallen down to their ankles. I'm glad you brought up the socks because to me <laughs> they're atrocious. Like yeah. it's one of the things I I didn't write it down as a note, but I was like. Ew, what is with their socks? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like just I don't know. If you're gonna dress up like a schoolgirl, like just <laughs> I don't know, make it. I don't know. To me, it's like you want at least knee length. Saggy socks. socks to me, huge turnoff. Saggy socks. Saggy socks. Yeah, it's. I guess we have our title. Our title for this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or maybe I don't know. So could it be that this was the style? in 1990 that they maybe they are dressed the way that they would have been dressed in 1990 so it's like a bit acronistic oh because you know like sometimes you watch like something in the 90s and like just like oh yeah socks work like that in the 90s and they kind of yeah i guess i guess it's possible but like in the same way that like that that thing where like one rolled up leg was like the cool thing to do for like a couple of years sure um (laughs) Uh, I, I guess like maybe, maybe it's something similar to that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the, the shorter socks make it seem more actual juvenile mm-hmm. than like a, I guess what in this would be like a kink. Yeah. Right, like this yeah. Is a the loose tie was definitely a thing. Like, Oh, have, for sure. The loose, yeah. t- like they got everything right. Maybe they do know the socks. This Maybe they, they are aware of the sock game of, of the, British nineties, but yeah. yeah, to me it it's just like, it's it like seems so specific. Yeah, it's like a party where everybody gets a dress as prisoner of Azkaban. Harry Potter, <laughs> you know, some girl trying to dance on me. Girl, put your damn socks up. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> put I wonder your socks. I wonder if this is indicative at all of how last of last night in Soho could be because this is kind of genuinely like unnerving and like somewhat psycho real, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe could be. Um, I do. I mean, I have a long-standing theory that this is going to be the 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 movie that is the closest to uh, mm-hmm. Last Night in Soho in mm-hmm. tone. Um, That's vindicated this whole podcast. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, because all of this is really creeping me out. I, I all I like all of this. I, <laughs> I, it, it, it's just creeping me out that they're like all over them. It's like. It's creeping me out that they are teenagers that are doing this. I mean, mm-hmm. like the it, actors are but like, the but the actors are in their twenties, which is a little bit better. But just like, still, still creepy, weird. yeah, still weird because they're playing teenagers. But then, like, they're not teenagers because as as um, Basil is explaining, uh, they're 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 versions of their older selves that have now been replaced with their younger selves. So they're still they have their like forty year old brains. No, I never or, thought about that before. But they're in the bodies of these eighteen-year-old versions of themselves, like what they I'm, offer the um, uh, the musketeers at the end of the movie. I'm flashing to Basil explaining fembots <laughs> now in my wheelhouse of yeah, movies. That's true. Um, we both have a Basil. Yeah, we both have a Basil, and they're both talking about fake people. Yeah. 
Wow. Weird. Hmm. Very weird. Are the fembots uh, like? What if the fembots are actually like the brains are like old, like ancient? They just that's scary. Well, in. I mean, they replaced Vanessa. That's true. That blew. That tore me up when I. <laughs> that tore you up. Yo, I was like, what? I liked Vanessa from the first movie. Is the first movie a lie now? Like, I don't know if I can rewatch it now, and I can't. Spoilers. I broke I my heart in the second one when Vanessa was a fembot and explodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. I, I hope this like, one happens in No Time to Die. <laughs> Uh, I think that would be best for everyone. I'm not crazy. Um, probably. Madeline Swan. Camilla, I can't believe I remember her name. I can't either. I, I, I would have been dead. If the gun to my head, somebody said, name the actress. No, the character. That's the character's name. Oh, that's the character's name. I, the yeah, actor, I don't even know either one. The actor's name is Leia Sado. Oh, wow. I think. Yeah, and I think what was most disappointing about Spectre, sorry to get on the Spectre cha- tangent, <laughs> no, I brought but it up. was was that uh, you know they 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 make a big deal out of Money Penny in in the third one, and then it's like doesn't she like get ghosted that whole movie or something? Like they don't even bring that back. I can't remember right because they were kind Anyways. of positioning Money Penny as like the equivalent of Bond or like the yeah. right Bond, and then to mm-hmm. kind of it's it, yeah, it feels like kind of like a yeah, it's like a similar. It's like how this one seems to be also about him coming out of retirement in a weird way. Like, I'm old. Like, no, man. <laughs> You've been old in every one of these. Yeah. <laughs> you were young uh, for one movie. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, zombie, uh, it kind of, he's, uh, Ed's kind of, or Nick Frost is kind of doing like an Ed zombie dance. Uh, when, oh, like, yeah, he kind of is, isn't he? Like the robot. Yeah. Uh, uh. Um, so, uh, let's see. So Basil calls this a, um, a, not an invasion, but a merger, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah, is, they don't want to kill us if they can help it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, this is when we get the first quote of, uh, oh, they're blending in over there. <laughs> right. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally blending in. Um, and, uh, I guess for for me personally, like when I was when I saw this film for the first time, I was thinking like this is and you're right. This is like the the big exposition dump. Um, And I'm wondering, like, if you're watching Edgar Wright films like, you know, you guys have been doing the whole Cornetto trilogy minute by minute. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I we've we've watched the movies as well. So we're aware of Edgar Wright and like his his way of filming and, and, and all that stuff. And I'm trying to think more of like the general audience, like the first time they're, they're seeing this, is this like the point of no return? Like if you're at, if you're at this point in the movie, it's time to, to understand what, what the hell is happening. Right. Like, um, it's like the cards on the table scene. Yeah. Cause I, I do remember being like going, seeing going, going to see this movie and just being like, Oh, okay. Well, I, like it's just random stuff is happening. <laughs> um and i you know the first time i saw this movie a lot went over my head and um and i remember like that you know knowing edgar wright stuff i know that he's very nuanced in what he's doing mm-hmm. and it's nice to have these at least for this scene this is this was the first one the mermaid the first bar where i was like i saw the name and i went okay, so something related to the name of the bar is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until this one where I was actually starting to get it. So it's nice that this was also the one where they do the exposition because 
then, uh, you know, after rewatching, now I get it when they go to the cross hands and they go to the beehive and I'm like, well, beehive ha- happens after. But anyways. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's good. It, I, I would say that this is like pretty good exposition because I mean, they had the, the conspiracy theorist, um, say all the exposition, which makes it sound a little, uh, crazier. It gives it a little more character, um, which I, which I think is, which I think is a good, uh, a good choice. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's not, they don't wait until the very end to just, dump a bunch of exposition on you they they you know they got to spread it out a little bit more you know it's not like um uh us where it's like the whole movie you're like what's happening and then they explain everything and you're like all right maybe you explain too much <laughs> um maybe maybe too much you explain too much about what was happening uh and and i you know and here they are explained they end up explaining kind of everything but it it's, it happens in a way that um it doesn't feel so uh, it doesn't feel like forced exposition. It feels like a natural place for it to happen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, with, with Edgar Wright's movie, sometimes, um, uh, and, I, and I use my dad as an example, as a control variable for how. About like him watching this movie? About these movies. Yeah. Well, like the Edgar Wright movies, because like to me, you know, Hot Fuzz is it's weird because I like hot fuzz the most out of the trilogy, even though I know that this one is like a better film, like mm-hmm. a better movie. And mm-hmm. I, it's like, I don't, I don't understand it within myself of why I still like hot fuzz so much, mm-hmm. given that I know that this is like a better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like my dad um, really didn't like Scott Pilgrim. Sure. And and I always think about that. Like, is it because he didn't understand what was going on? Because he was literally like, this is like, he was like, this is a stupid movie. And I was like, uh, okay, point of reference. Your dad loves Napoleon Dynamite, oh, yeah, Scott. hates Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Whoa, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's, so, so he's okay with a, he's okay with a, with a, a dumb movie about dumb people. It's actual idiotic <laughs> movies. He's fine. I feel like it's just like things that look silly, but actually have a lot of inner workings. Not for him. Mm. Yeah. And You're smarter and than this. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that's why I'm trying to think with the mermaid here, like this scene. Oh. Is, Is that- I don't know if you've seen this one. He oh. loves hot fuzz. And so. Okay. And, that makes sense. And because that's easy for him to di- digest. And so that's what I'm thinking with the no point of uh, no point of return. Uh, a point of no return is the phrase is is here in this minute here where it's like okay well if you stuck through the robots and and the crazy uh stencil that is the golden mile now if you're going to stick with the movie you might as well learn what the hell's going on right and so that's what this is and i think by this point my dad has probably stopped watching the movie or he's asleep um (laughs) (laughs) It's but, sort of, yeah. uh, it sort of reminds me of it's like storytellers know that audiences there's like a, a pact between audience and storyteller that they will follow a mystery so far without any breadcrumbs to an extent mm-hmm. you know be it be it lost or be it like a novel you know it's like okay at some point you're gonna have to show, tell them give me a reason to keep going give me a give me a, a reason to follow this through to the end 
And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to give you some answer, some like definitive, like this is what we're building towards, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I always thought about this movie in the context of drinking in one night encapsulated. Mm. And when you're, when you're halfway there, you're like buzzed enough that you're going to pay attention to what's happening and you're going to want to know what's happening. So like this exposition's great. It's like somebody trying to tell you a story while you're buzzed. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, you're like in it. You're like, yes, getting hyped. Like, tell me more about it. Have I have so many questions. Let's get into it. So this is like the halfway of like, okay, I'm buzzed. I can listen to this. This mm-hmm. is cool. We've had a few drinks. And then once you get to the end, you don't want to hear anything. <laughs> you're not listening anyway. So if you're that drunk, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that point, I like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Or it's like, this is kind of like the come down also in some ways, you know, that part of a long night. Like sobering up. Yeah, you're like, this isn't good anymore. I don't like this. I'm either in it for the rest of the golden mile or I'm nightcapped. Well, it's either, it's the, this is going to sound really bad. It's the throw up and rally. Mm. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. It's like, this is where you either, you keep going or you go home. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and this is around the time where they lost uh, two of their guys originally. So, right. you know, Oliver was out of commission already. Pete was out of commission between between this and the next one or no, a little later. Uh, but I mean, you know, this was they, they'd at least lost one of them. Um, by this point in the in the original night, because it was it, too it was much. After they smoked weed, because that was why Peter had to lie down on the bench. Oh, right. That's, that's right. Me. That's, he got, that's me. I can't do that. The he got Pero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting crossfaded is not fun. <laughs> was it fun in 1990? It's certainly not be fun now. No. <laughs> um, yeah. It, the, uh, so, so there's also an aspect of, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious about what, what the uh, metaphor is with these um with the blanks with the network is or what what uh uh simon Pegg and and edgar wright sort of saw as the metaphor or if there even was a metaphor or if it was more of just like a reference to you know all of the social sci-fi that they grew up with because you know in in you know typically um when you go to like invasion of the body snatchers right the the metaphor is communism uh and uh and 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 later um, I think, well, in the 80s, I guess it was still communism, uh, or in the 70s and 80s. I guess it's always kind of been communism more often than not. Um, yeah, they, everybody hates communism. Uh, but uh, here, I mean, you know, you can definitely see the the, the metaphor for communism, the idea of, um, you know, everyone being uh, another link in the chain. But then there's an aspect of it where he's like, but it's uh, it's kind of good, actually. Like, they were... They were like not evil. They were friendlier. It was better. Uh, but also, everyone's a link in the chain, and that sucks. So that's bad too. So it's even like it seems like Basil is even a little like there. There are definitely benefits to it, but also we don't get to be free, which which is not great. And I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure what that metaphor is. I guess there's also an argument to be made that the metaphor is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, either alcoholism or being sober, one or the other. Um, I think uh, I think all three of these movies, and I think I might have said this last week or the week before. They seem to be about right and peg 
expounding upon their fears or their unease or their distrust of just like any kind of control or mm-hmm. any kind mm-hmm. of society that doesn't leave room for misfits or cogs yeah. that aren't productive, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's like yeah. in Sean, he kind of seems to be rallying against like the way we were kind of distancing ourselves, you know, with the kids on their headphones and the people on their phones, just like not being active. And with Fuzz and this one, he, he there actually is a malevolent like them that is trying to make everybody the same and have no free will or independent thought. And that seems to be right. like what he seems to be the most unnerved by. So it's kind of, like, it's kind of a metaphor for growing up, like being an adult, like time to be an adult now. Yeah. Like the you assimilate, yeah. You assimilate into the, this adulthood society that is that ether, right? You, you don't really know what it takes to achieve it. There is just this construct of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And they're different. They're weird. So is Basil. He's this crazy straw conspiracy man. <laughs> um, so he's standing on the outside available to give the commentary because he was never, he never assimilated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And fringes. yeah, he's, he's always been that weirdo and right. which is fine. Weirdos are great. <laughs> um, but you can see that like, that tantalization of like come join this construct that you've been told your entire life is a good thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And productive for you. Right. And there you can almost I know it's in the form of sexy ladies, but you can see that like, okay, maybe if I let go, like it wouldn't be so bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're still losing yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that these these sirens are coming to them in the form of like the 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 image of the girls that they had crushes on when they were seventeen, like come back to life is such like a yeah, like return to like simpler times. Wasn't it easier back then before you know, like just like Yeah. Like, you know, surrender. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, it's because it's interesting too, because it's like um you know, it's a it's that thing that I think like most millennials can probably relate with, and I'm I'm assuming based on this movie that Gen X also uh, relates to this is the idea of you know becoming an adult and then like you know you find yourself and you're an adult and you have an adult job but you don't feel like an adult and then you suddenly have that realization that like all adults are just faking it and that no one is an adult like it's just like none of it's real it's like this crazy construct that everybody told you was true but isn't isn't really true in that everyone is just faking it until they make it um and 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 everyone feels like an imposter until they're like suddenly not because they've outlived everyone else um, well it's like an imposter syndrome until you get on the phone one day and explain it to your mom and she says well i've never grown up either yeah that happened to me i was like i just don't feel like i'm being a good adult like i don't understand she goes i never she's like i don't feel like i've grown up she's like i don't know what i want to be when i grow up she's in her late 50s yeah. She still feels that way. I'm like, shit. Am I, I still gonna feel this way when I'm in my late fifties? Damn. Yeah, and right. I and I think that um, you know, you look at all of Wright's movies, and he's he's punk rock at heart. Like you look at all the movies that he's done, and and even Space, and it's it's that um, that one of us hive mentality. You can see that in all of them with like. Shaun of the Dead has zombies. Hot Fuzz has cults. Um, just the fact that um, that everyone in space is, I guess, kind of like a—I don't want to say beatnik, but like you know, um, 
not not what you would consider normal for having being a functioning adult human. And then um, here you have just straight up alien robots, both <laughs> both both alien and robots. And so there's always like this hive mentality thing that they have to deal with. Um, and so you can see that he has like this. I don't want to say argument, but he's like he doesn't want to conform to to the hive mentality. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I don't know, it's really interesting, um, this whole thing. And, and, you know, and I, and the fact that like it keeps coming up with each of these movies, the, the Cornetto movies, um, specifically, mm-hmm. uh, this, this theme is, uh, well, you know, know. It, it, it's so cool. I mean, I, I don't know. Like we're, it, I, I, it, a, a, a thematic trilogy is something that's so interesting to me. You know, we're, we're so plot driven and, movies right now especially in like geek nerd cinema where they just i mean like they just want like a set story and they just want plot and and i don't know the idea of just like three kind of big fun movies that are connected to each other thematically as opposed to like telling a grand story is just really yeah. interesting yeah like yeah. that anthology kind of style i think is uh in the long run more entertaining because you can then really chew on those on those thematics mm-hmm um, now, whether that's a good thing, you know, if I'm for it or against it, I might want to get into that tomorrow. But <laughs> uh, yeah, the, okay. So, so getting into like the rest of like the little the little details here, um, the I, I do think it's interesting that Becky Salt goes for Andy rather than Gary. Uh, uh, like I just I like as a as a you know as a as a <laughs> you obviously have like uh, Becky seems to be the leader um, the but marmalade of the marmalade sandwich. He had his uh, Becky soul fucking hell moment. Right, right, yeah, for sure. Um, I just think it's I think it's interesting, like the the fact that you know it, it would seem to me that when you're directing a movie, you would just think like, okay, well, I've got three guys. One of them is obviously the leader. It's Gary. And, uh, you know, we got three ladies, you know, like the, like the chipettes, you know, what if if instead, what if when you met the chipettes in the cartoon, they went for different chipmunks than their counterparts, right? I mean, that would be, (laughs) that would be so straight. That feels weird, right? It feels weird. It's kind of cool, but it feels weird. Jeanette's dating Alvin. Yeah. Uh, it really goes to show you that the the chipmunks were just a bunch of narcissists because they just dated themselves <laughs> instead of like I mean there would be there would be other things going on if they were dating each other but uh but you know the the fact that they're just dating themselves like what a bunch of narcissists those yeah. guys yeah. that would never happen in the chipmunks shared squeakiverse <laughs> squeakiverse shared shared with what the squeakiverse uh, I guess the Smurf probably. Smurfs, Smurfs, Smurfs. Oh yeah, because it was like the same timetable. Yeah. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is part of that squeakiverse. What? There's no taking it out of it's. It's part. It's part of it. Why? Because the chipmunks met Frankenstein. The monster of Frankenstein. Oh, I, whatever. <laughs> they also yeah. had a wolfman. They met Theodore and he turned into a wolf. They also had a round the world uh, hot air balloon race. Right. Uh. Hot air balloons belong in the squeakiverse. I don't write it. Man. All right. <laughs> it's interesting. Ecology. <laughs> I don't I don't like that we've created the squeakiverse. I, I respect it. 
I think it was created and somebody went, I did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's going to be the Kevin Feige of the Squeakiverse? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> David Cross. <laughs> <laughs> Please change the subject. <laughs> um. Uh, so they, uh, one of the, one of the small uh, details, speaking of Becky salt, Becky, uh, takes Andy's glasses off and puts them on, like wears them. And, yeah. uh, as a guy who wears glasses, I absolutely could mm-hmm. not tell you how many girls have done that in my life of just girls oh. love taking your glasses and wearing them just to be like, oh, how blind are you? Oh, wow. Pretty blind. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> I mean, we've traded glasses, and then I say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny has like different lenses in each glasses. So oh yeah, I, I like I'm near seeing and the difference. Oh. so Mark gets just sick. He's like, I can't. You're stand like far sighted <laughs> in one eye and near sighted in the other, yeah. so the lenses are different, and, and, and like one's a far sighted lens, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Hmm. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. That I feel like that would make me motion sick. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, I've never. Uh, thankfully, I haven't had to. I haven't had to have that situation happen. But I don't know. It's. I don't even know how to. How you. How do you focus on one or the other? Uh, Practice. Life. Yeah, I've done this since I was like four. Oh man. Like, yeah. Like one of your eyes is the dominant one, right? Like. Yeah. I think that's how it works. I just, I don't like when uh, she takes the glasses off with both hands, if I'm correct, which which is, that's the right way to do it. Because mm-hmm. um, anyone who ever takes your glasses off with one hand. Right in the middle. I'm, or no, they grab oh. one corner and they pull it. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Please don't do that. First of all, that's annoying. I'm Second more, of all, you're going to bend my frame. I'm more annoyed about her putting them back on his face. <laughs> yeah. You can never put somebody's glasses back on their own face. No super awkward it is so is licking someone's face well yeah there's a lot of awkward happening here um it's really it 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 i'm glad they don't focus on it because man it really freaks me out seeing like (laughs) 40 something year old simon Pegg just like just just snogging the hell out of that girl um it's uh yikes it's not not a fun thing to watch happen it's uh, it, it it it's interesting that it is shot sort of from a distance to kind of put it in perspective. Like, right doesn't allow it to become sexy in the right. In, in the yeah. Of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta it be keeps it like this is weird. This is not okay. Yeah. yeah it's gotta be a tricky thing to pull off. Um, you know, to be uh, lighting and and aiming the camera and moving the camera in such a way that. You're making sure it doesn't. It never feels salacious. It feels weird and creepy. Or maybe it's even harder to make it as propaganda as like you know sex sells and stuff like that. That's maybe true. People try too hard to sell things off to audiences, and maybe Edgar. Maybe it's easy for Edgar Wright to be like, "Yeah, this is weird. Just just roll a camera. Just to, <laughs> like, yeah. look how out of out of uh, out of place this is." And you're like, "Yeah, normally that is out of place." It's only when people say, oh, look how sexy this is. I mean, I guess like at a bar that if you see this happening, you're like, ooh. Yeah. If I saw Gary King in a bar, first of all, no woman is making out with him. (laughs) That's mean. (laughs) I'm sure there's people who would. Yeah. I I, I think you, I, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely going to be somebody. There's a person for everybody. 
<laughs> He's making a face as I'm saying. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. I, uh, do we have anything else for this minute? Um, as far as details? No, I really, really want to keep going. Cause my favorite thing in the whole movie is coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He talks I'm about, good. he just talks about how they get their DNA, uh, through, uh, uh sweat, kissing saliva. Oh. Um, it's live on the rhythm of a glass. Uh, in yeah. the script, there are there are two other uh, uh, additional bits to that, but there were no, um, I guess, visual representations of these, so they cut them out of the movie. Uh, but it was uh, blood tests and knit nurses, which I guess knit nurse a knit nurse is like a school nurse um, in the UK. Yeah, so you can get the lice out, get the knits out. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, knits. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they took those two bits out, those two examples. But uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, if you're on Facebook, check out our Facebook group, the Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub over there. Um, we can uh, talk about uh, what, are, what is your uh, opinion on saggy socks? Um, do, you have, <laughs> do you have as strong of an opinion as Mark? Uh, <laughs> or the squeakiverse. <laughs> or the yeah, squeakiverse. No what do you think about the squeakiverse? Are you for it? I'm not. Um, <laughs> I'm not. No one's for it. <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua will be part of it for some reason. Uh, no, oh Beverly Hills God. Chihuahua is part of the uh, the 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 legally blonde universe. Um, is that yeah. Hell Woods' dog? You're not wrong. <laughs> I don't. I I like to think that that's how it came to be. Was that somebody? That's... Because because you went the first movie, it was like regular legally blonde. She had a dog. The second Bruce. one was like all about her dog. It was like focused yeah, on Bruce her dog. Mom. Yeah, Bruce's mom. Yeah, cool. mm-hmm. yeah. So it was like really focused on her dog. And then I feel like s- some producer somewhere was like, "Why don't we just make a movie about the dog? That's obviously all we care about." And then <laughs> they made Beverly Hills Chihuahua, and the rest is history. Cinematic. <laughs> History. Chihuahua from Big Mama's house too. It drinks a tequila. Mm. Anyways, roll tape. All right. <laughs> All right. great. And tomorrow we'll be back with minute sixty-two. But for now, let's boober. Boo.